Welcome to Fountain of Life Worship Center's podcast. We're glad you're here with us today. Today you will hear a message previously recorded from our pastor, youth pastor, or a guest speaker. Join us as we know God, grow in God, and go with God today. Let's jump into the message. Worship Center. So uh, we're celebrating this weekend with Pastor Appreciation Day. And uh, the kids and all of us, we decided to do something special for Pastor Mick this year. So Jesse, you want to go ahead and start it out for us, brother? Pause it, Jesse. Go to the start and pause it. Go to the start. There we go. Okay. 
On, on three, Jesse, click play. You ready? <laughs> One, two, three. What do you love about Pastor Mick? No, when he preaches. Yeah. My favorite thing about Pastor Mick is he lets me pet his dog. My favorite thing about Pastor Mick, he makes us laugh, um, and then uh, he he preaches the, uh, the church so we can learn. My favorite thing about Pastor Mick is he teaches me about God. My favorite thing about Pastor Mick is when he tells us funny jokes and tells us about Jesus. I love that, Matt! My favorite thing about Pastor Mick and him preaching. Pastor Mick lets us come up front in worship. My favorite thing is Pastor Mick's hugs. I love Pastor Mick's jokes. My favorite thing about Pastor Mick is that he plays with me and jokes with me and drops me off the balcony. My favorite thing about Pastor Mick is that he helped me get back to us. My favorite thing that Pastor Mick does is that he teaches people about Jesus and those that do not know about Jesus must come to the church Fountain Life Worship Center so Pastor Mick can teach you about Jesus. I love you. Well, we had some technical difficulties, but the video is really cute. We're, uh, I'll post it on Facebook later so everybody can watch it again. It's actually see the kids talking and having a good time with it. But uh, we want to thank you for all that you do. You're such a blessing to this church. You're such a blessing to this whole congregation, everybody here. I know we couldn't do it without you. You're an amazing man, and we thank you. A gift card to Pod Pop or something, and <laughs> get you a new guitar. <laughs> oh, thank you all so much, uh, Sawyer. Woo! Uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, Sawyer liked to uh, likes for Dylan to sling him up in the air. Well, we got the big bright idea instead of Dylan throwing him up in the air, I'll just take him up to the balcony and. Drop him down to Dylan. Well, Dylan throws him higher than I drop him, so. But that's not what Stephanie heard. Sawyer runs outside and says, Pastor Mick threw me over the balcony. <laughs> so again, words matter. <laughs> but thank you all, kids. I love it. And I don't know if you all got to see it, but they were all holding up... Uh, and just said we love you pastor and, we, and I love you 
And I love Dylan and all of you that's working in children's ministry. Thank you all so much. These kids, um, some of them said they love hugs. I, I tell you, that's probably the greatest thing in the world is to get a hug on Sunday mornings. It, uh, I don't care what you're going through uh, that day, that week, to grab a hug from one of these is amazing. So uh, thank you all. Thank you, church, for sharing your kids with us. We love them. Uh, to you all, thank you all. We appreciate you. Yesterday was a blast. We got to have... Family Day, Pastor Appreciation Day, and Talena and I just want to say thank you all for all of the gifts and the cards and all that. We really, really appreciate you. And today, uh, we kind of continue that, but we're also going to honor our fathers today. So we want to say Happy Father's Day. But I would like for, if you are a dad, I'd like for you to stand up. Dylan, you can stay up. Can we give our dads a hand this morning? All right, Maddox, you're on the spot again this morning, buddy. You're, uh, he already knows what to do. Hey, just so you know, my name's in this hat, in this box, and Maddox is going to draw it. And if he draws mine and Chris's, it's not rigged, I promise. If he draws Danny's, it's rigged. All right, give me one. The first one. Four, is, I believe everybody's is 487, so I'm just going to do the last, the last three. Seven, four, four. No way. <laughs> Danville, Lowe's, Home Depot, or Best Buy? Yes, sir. Thank you. Happy Father's Day. Hey, your dad's getting mad. You better, you better do better. <laughs> hey, you know what's going to be funny? You're not going to draw your dad, but you're going to draw A.B. <laughs> Seven, four, six. All right, Zach. Lowe's, Best Buy, Home Depot. You're not doing good. I'll shake them really good, and your I'll put your dad right on top. How about that? <laughs> Seven, two, nine. <laughs> you only got one more chance, dude. This could possibly be his worst Father's Day ever. <laughs> Seven, three, five. All right. You want to run that to Brother Kennedy? Take that to him. We're done. Thank you, Maddox. <laughs> Your dad said you're grounded. He's laughing now. I'm good. <laughs> Happy Father's Day to all of our dads. We hope you all have a great day. 
Uh, as men, as you're leaving today, uh, we will have a gift for you as you're exiting the door, so make sure you get one of those. But again, happy Father's Day. I want to open up with a, a portion of Scripture, and we're going to turn this praise team loose. And it's Isaiah 55. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked abandon his ways and the unrighteous person his thoughts. And let him return to the Lord and he will have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours. And my thoughts than your thoughts. This morning, I know we bring a lot of baggage into this room. There's so many things. Uh, people are, are battling and fighting. We've got sickness. We've got uh, loss of loved ones. We've got so many things that are, 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 are fighting for our attention this morning. But I want us to focus on the size of our God this morning and not the size of our problem. You know, God is, you know, we've been talking the last, last week. We started talking about God's names. And, and, you know, I don't care what you're going through this morning. He's it. He's the answer. He is I am. So whatever you need this morning, He is. So if our ushers would come. God, right now, we're just, we're so thankful. We're so uh, amazed at your goodness in this place this morning. And God, as we, we, we scan this room again, we see so many situations, we th- so many circumstances. But God, you're here in our midst this morning. And God, you're the God of peace. You're the God of healing. You're the God of deliverance. Whatever it is we need this morning, you are. So God, we lift you up in this place. We enter into prayer into your presence and we welcome you into this place because we are in the house of the Lord. So God, we love you this morning. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Coming down, guys. Today, and we won't be quiet. 
the battle belongs to you and every fear I lay at your feet I'll sing through the night oh God the battle belongs to
the battle belongs to There's honey in the rock. There's honey in the rock. 
step into this message this morning and I'm going to ask Brother Randy if you don't care to pray over the word this morning. Amen. Hug somebody's neck. Give them five. Tell them you're glad they're here. And if you're talking to Trina, just let her know you're lying when you say that. Hey, I, I have a confession to make from the pulpit this morning. Um, Trina, Trina has a root of bitterness this morning. And uh, she... She can't stand it that she lost, and she wants to. And she wants to place the blame on me. And I know Dylan can't hear me this morning, but Dylan, you are still the winner. So, no, I'm, there is no vote. They asked me a question, and I gave them an answer, and that was the that was it. So you lost. Hey, take your finger, do this. Stick it up by your head and be done. For those of you that don't know, Dylan beat her in a pie eating contest yesterday, and and she's bitter. But uh, but I but I will. The disclaimer was, Pastor, who has the least pie on the table? That was Dylan. But Dylan had a whole lot of pie in beard. So there was probably more in Dylan's beard than there was on the table. So if that makes it sound a little better for you, but you still lost. But you still lost. All right, we're going to get started. Um, last week, I started a series on uh, the names of God, and I, I probably started a week soon because this week I thought I was going to continue with that. And then for the, like, I am not one that really... Like likes to preach holidays. I just I don't like trying to theme. You just feel like you're under so much pressure to do that. Well, this year my whole goal was I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to preach the names of God on Father's Day, and then God kind of starts laying a Father's Day sermon on me. And I thought, okay, thank you. But uh, so we're just going to do what He wants me to do this morning, and then we'll go back to the names of God uh, in a couple of weeks. But when when I think about fathers, 
You know, we often will go in the Bible and we'll, and we'll pick out some, some great fathers that was in the Bible and we'll go to a person like Abraham who is the father, of, uh, 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 the father of many nations and had many sons and all that. Or we'll look at Joseph and we'll talk about the earthly father uh, of Jesus. We'll look at people like that that really had an impact. But what I want to talk about this morning is a man that chose to be a dad. And that's what I want us to talk about this morning is choosing to be a dad. Uh, you know, I want to look at a text that I don't think I've ever really, I don't even know if I've ever preached out of this or not. I can't say yes or no, but I want to look at the character sketch of a, of a good dad, a good father. Mordecai. Mordecai isn't a father by choice. When I think about Mordecai, he, he's an adopted father, maybe a single dad, for all we know. I, I, you know, we don't have a whole lot of history about Mordecai. His wife is never mentioned. All we know that he lives about 500 years before Jesus in a minority that is oppressed in, in, in the land that he is living in. Many of the Jews, if you study this out, many of the Jews have returned to Jerusalem because the period of, of 70 years of Babylonian captivity is over and, and it's ended and they've allowed them to go back uh, to their homelands. Uh, the Persians, which now the Bible calls the Chaldeans, they've overcome the Babylonians and they've been, and they've been, they've been kind of weirdly kind of kind to the Jews. So if you study this out, the book of Nehemiah and Ezra, you will see where... Um, Nehemiah and Ezra and Zerubbabel, these people have already made a couple trips uh, back to Jerusalem uh, with many of the Jews. So there was a lot of Jews that chose to go back uh, to, to Jerusalem, to the, the, the ruins of what was left there. But then there were some of those Jews who had chose to stay where they were at. They remained in the city that they were. So what you find in the book of Esther, it is the only account in the Bible, and I did not realize this, to, uh, that the Jew, talking about the Jews that remained in Persia after captivity. It's the only book you'll read in the Bible that talks about them, and what you have in the book of Esther is a, is a really an amazing, interesting kind of story when you begin to break it down. What you have is only two books in the Bible that do not mention the name of God. Esther and Solomon. Though his name's not written in the book, his hand is all over it. You, you begin to, to look at this. His fingerprints is all over this story, every page. The theme of the book is the divine hand of God. How, how in our minds we can't see how God is working things out, but he's working them out to our good. So you, it, it's been a while since I've even really looked at the book of Esther, I, again, I don't think I've ever preached this story in my life. And so I want to just kind of talk about the characters of this book. The first character you have is Mordecai. He's the main character uh, of the story. We don't, we don't know what he does for a living, but Adam, he's probably an important person because we always find him at the city gates. He's always there. He's always decision-making. He's always lingering around when there's decisions to be made. We know he's a Jew. We know he adopts his cousin. Her name is Hadassah, and which means in, in, in Persian, it means dazzling beauty, and her Jewish name is Esther. So you have Hadassah, Hadassah, and Esther. So we'll call her Esther, because that's what the book's called. And then you have this um, character uh, uh, Esther, she catches the eye of King Xerxes. 
And you think about King Xerxes, Donald Trump in the 80s has nothing compared to him. He's the king over 127 different provinces. This man, his, his rule reaches from India to Ethiopia. So he, he is, he's the man. This king was viewed not just as a king, Danny. They, they viewed him as a god. And he was so well thought of. He was, he was so powerful of a man. When he spoke, it became law, Adam. It became law. It was so powerful that he couldn't even change what he spoke. So, pretty amazing. Powerful, powerful man. Then his wife is Queen Vashti. Queen Vashti is only mentioned in chapter 1 because um, her little spunkiness was way before her time and she uh, wasn't queen anymore. Uh, so uh, the, the king uh, decides he's going to display his, his power and his strength and, and, and the, the Queen Vashti is, is no longer mentioned after chapter 1. So she didn't make it too far in the book. But he's invited all these important people in the world to come to the capital for a party. Now, again, I, I, I've read this story, I've read this book many, many times, but when you begin to study it, to break it down, to preach it and teach it, you learn a whole lot of things. Rob, I've read it a lot, but I never realized this party lasted 180 days. How many of you have ever been to a six-month party? Not a six-month-old's party, a six-month party. For six months, they partied it up. And here's what's amazing about this. At the end of this party, that's not enough, so he decides to have another party. We have to have a winding down party. So we're going to go from a six-month party to another party, and we're going to have a seven-day party. Just a little one. I don't, I've never been to a seven-day party. But it's the after party. And so there's this party, and in the middle of this seven-day party, the king decides that he would like for Queen Vashti to come and represent herself to all the men of the party. Y'all can think what you want right there. It's, it's a men's only party. And the, the king is, he's requesting, but he's telling the queen to come display herself to the men. Now, in the, I can think about this, but she's refused to do this because she knows the minds of these guys. Listen, they just come off a six-month party, and they're still seven-day partying. So they've been drunk for 180 days happy, and now they're on a seven-day binge. So, so I'm not going to step in there. That's what she said. Her mind, I am not going in there. You, you can tell them guys whatever, but I'm not coming in there. And that doesn't set well with the king. So the king removes her from office, sends a letter throughout the kingdom. And if you've ever read the last verse of the, the, uh, the book of uh, Esther, you will see where it says that, that he announced that every man should rule over his household. And what he meant was not what God meant and Paul meant in Ephesians. He meant that every man should rule. That every woman was a piece of meat, a piece of trash, and you should submit to your husband whatever he says you do. That was the new rule. And so basically what he did, he said, you're going to submit because I've legislated it. Women, you're now a product of your husband and whatever he says do. Some of y'all are like, man, I wish I lived then. 
And I'm sitting here thinking, no, I'm not even going to go there. And some of your husband, some of your wives are already pinching you all like, you better shut up. <laughs> so here you have Queen Vashti is no longer queen. They're going to get a new queen. And it's unlike any ever seen, whatever kind of party, they've called in Ed McMahon and uh, what all them other guys' names was that used to do the Miss America pageants, and they bring these ladies from all over the region and trying to catch, their, I mean, basically, their goal is to catch the king's eye. And there's one who catches the king's eye, and guess who that is? Esther. We meet her in chapter 2, verse 7. He was the guardian to Hadassah, that is Esther, his uncle's daughter, for she had no father or mother. Now the young woman was beautiful of form and face, and when her father and mother died, Mordecai took her as his own daughter. And that's where I want to start this story, dads. We're going to start right there. Good dads decide to be dads. We decide to be dads. We have an interesting principle when you read this about fatherhood in this statement. The Bible says that Mordecai decided to be her father. She had no guardian, nothing. And Mordecai decided. Somehow, in the consequences of life and events, this little girl, she has no mom, she has no dad, and Mordecai could have been the cousin that many of us would have been and said, oh my Lord, I can't do this, I'm not a good dad, or I'm, I'm not a potential father, I mean, my Lord, I'm her cousin. What can I do? He could have said, I'll find somebody for her, or he could have said, you know, I'll, I'll send her to Jerusalem and hopefully somebody will take her in. But that's not what Mordecai did. But something inside of him says, I can raise this child. Something inside of him said, and, and Mordecai makes the decision to be a dad. Man, I wish I could preach this to the world. You might be called father, but that don't make you dad. And, and for nine months, when our wife's men, when, when they were carrying our, our children in their womb. They, they got to know that child pretty well in nine months. They had a relationship with that child that we don't have. And, and the women, they, they felt that baby kick. They have felt that baby turn. They have, they've had heartburn, had morning sickness. They've had every emotion you can think of, all because they have an attachment to something inside of them. There, there's something in the womb that they, 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 I mean, all the sickness, all the sleepless nights, and, and, and us men, we can sit here and we can pat them on the head and rub their shoulders and say, oh, I know how you're feeling. I'm just thankful that he chose women to give birth and not men because we can't even handle the cold, guys. And here's... What's crazy is they go through this nine-month period of all this stuff. Some of you wives are sitting there going, and the husbands are going, shut up. I just heard this conversation the other day. But nine months goes by, and this child is born. 
And the mom has welcomed this, this baby boy and, or this baby girl. They've welcomed them in as their friend. And, and, am I right, ladies? You all just, it's, it's, it's just a, a welcoming experience. It's almost like they hold their child and they're like, I already know you. I already know you. And then us guys, we're standing back here going, what in God's name did I just witness? What is that blue lizard looking thing? Like, what, what in the world? Like, Ermine's doing all that, and the mom's going, oh, how cute. And I'm like, he's a conehead lizard. He's blue. And we're doing that, and we're shocked at what we just witnessed. And we, we, we look at this baby like he's a stranger. She's a stranger. And I can remember, I can remember sitting at CAMC, Women and Children's, like they've cleaned Isaiah up, they've taken him and, and, and put him in that room where they're doing all that stuff, and, and, and like, I'm going to go to the window and I'm going to pick mine out because I know what he looks like. And I'm going, is that a boy? Is that a girl? Is that what's what? Who's who? And finally you see the name and you're like, yep, that's him. I knew it. (laughs) I've done this twice, you all. But I'm doing that because that baby is a stranger to me. But I'm in that window And I'm picking out which child's mine. And I'm thinking to myself, what in the world have I gotten myself into? Y'all men are shaking your head, yeah. The wife, it's just like we've had a nine-month attachment. This is my baby. But to us men, like when Selena's water broke that morning, I'm like driving thinking, this is real. And she's like, where have you been for nine months? Like, watching you grow. But this is real. We're going to the doctor. And she's over there going, it's been real. But for a man, it's just hitting us. It's, it's real. There's getting ready. Something's getting ready to happen. Women, it's already hit them. They've been living with it for nine months. And I'm sitting in that window Just like every one of us dads in this room, we sat in that window, and just like Mordecai, something happens in that window that a father does because you might have been a father at conception, but you didn't choose to be a dad until birth. And we look in that window, and we finally it dawns on us. I'm going to be a dad. We made a choice. And it sets in motion a lifestyle of fatherhood that none of us could ever imagine. I mean, I can't, my life could not wrap around how much six pounds and a few ounces could change your whole world. Like, Every, the day before, my whole thought, in 24 hours, my thought process has changed. My, my whole world has changed. And Steve Covey said this. He says, every day all across America, fathers drive home from work, come, and some make decisions and some of us don't. 
He says the wisest way to use your drive time home from work is to make the decision to once again adopt your children. Be a dad. Mentally, go through the process of taking off the work and putting on the father hat. Mentally, go through the process for whatever it means in your life of resigning from work and stepping up to be a dad. He says we should do that every day we drive home. It's what Mordecai did. We have to really pay attention here, church. The queen was lost in chapter 1, and then she's found, the new queen is found in chapter 2. Esther is now the queen, and then something happens. There is this plot that is discovered in this story. There are, are, are two people that Mordecai, he overhears them talking at the gates, and they're plotting to overthrow the king. Now, when you first read this, this don't sound like a big deal. But there's these two men, and they're villains, and, and, and they're talking about overthrowing the king, and, and Bigthana and Teresh are plotting to overthrow the king, and Mordecai overhears their plots, and he tells Esther. And Esther tells the right people, because that plan is destroyed, it, it, it stopped. And look at chapter 2, verse 23. Then when the plot was investigated and found to be so, they were both hanged on a wooden on wooden gallows. And as and it was written in the book of the Chronicles in the king's presence. Okay, we wrote that down. We're just gonna throw those books away, put them in a, in a closet somewhere. The fact that Mordecai overhears this, this plot, he tells the right people, and, and, and the king's life was saved. It's written down in a court book. What difference does that make, Pastor? It makes a lot of difference, and we're going to see what difference it makes because the next villain walks into the room. The next person comes on the scene, and his name is Haman. Now, Haman is a bigot. He's arrogant. He's the egotistical one of Persia. And we don't know where he comes from. We don't know happy how he becomes second in command. But we know once he gets there, he's using his leverage. I'm the second in command. And when I walk by you, when I'm in your presence, you're going to bow down. Everybody did that. Because Haman was the next man in line. And every time he came in the room, every time he walked by, everybody bowed down except Mordecai. I mean, Mordecai just stands. I'm not scared of you. Lord, I just went through, I just went through Babylonian captivity. I mean, Mordecai's not even threatened at this guy. Everybody's bowing, and, and Haman's by and he all these rows of people are bowing down and you got Mordecai just like you ain't my God I ain't bowing down to you I'm only gonna bow down to one person his name's Jehovah not Haman so all these people everybody's bowing down to Haman except Mordecai so guess who becomes the pain in Haman's neck Mordecai, 
I've got everybody under submission. Everybody is subjected to me. They're doing exactly what I'm telling them. But this Mordecai, he's going he's to cause problems for me because eventually they're going to look at Mordecai and Mordecai ain't bowing and they're going to get tired of bowing and they're going to do like Mordecai and they're going to stand. The book tells us that he wants to destroy Mordecai. So not only am I going to destroy Mordecai, Randy, I'm just going to wipe out the entire nation. I'm just going to take them all. This is, this is, the, this is Hitler. I mean, we talk about Hitler. Haman is Hitler. I am going to take out a whole entire nation of Jews. Now hear me. Mordecai chose to be a dad. And Mordecai lived his life as a dad. And hear me, dads, children catch character from good fathers. What is the characteristic of a good father? Mordecai. He's got in this built-in character about him, Danny. And if you're acquainted at all with the book of Esther, you know that before the story's over, we're going to talk about the courageousness of, of Esther. And because of her, she's going to save a nation. But where do you think she learned that character? Mordecai chose to be a dad. The, you see, I heard somebody say this one time, and it is so true. They said, crisis does not develop character. Crisis reveals character. Now, crisis does not develop character. Crisis reveals the character that's in us. That's why when we go into battle, when we get into a situation, when we go all psycho and crazy because we don't know what to do, that lets us know that we've not been in the book enough. But Mordecai, he, he acts well under, under pressure situations. And listen to me, character's not taught. It's caught. You see, children, Pastor Mick, but children, kids, our kids do not want to hear our lectures. Mine's back there in the back going, they don't, they, our kids do not want to hear us lecture them. How many of you enjoyed that from your dad? All right, son, I'm going to set you down. I'm going to tell you who I am. We don't like that. We catch it. It's been 33 years since my dad was killed in a coal mining accident. 33 years. And, and, and this week always my mind floods. And I've thought about him a lot this week, but when I was thinking about this sermon, and I gave myself just a few minutes to, to sit and think about my dad, what, and, 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 I was, and I was thinking about that statement, and I thought, man, what did I catch from him? What did I learn from him? Because I was only around him just a short while, and, but I do remember this. My dad was not a man of many words. It was, go to your room. Come and turn the TV, because I was the remote back then. Whatever your mom says. But there, he was just a man of short words. But he was a coal miner. And what did I catch from him? And I got to thinking about that, and I, and I caught a man 
that would go into a hole at dark and he would come out at dark. He gave his wife his payday to make sure his family was taken care of and he would repeat that same thing every single day of his life. Coal miners go in in the morning, it's dark. You come out at four or five, six o'clock in the evening, it's dark. That's all he saw was dark. What did I catch from my dad? I, I caught this man that in the summertime would come straight to the baseball field with coal dust on his face all over him, worn out, ready to go home and rest because he's been in a hole all day. But he would sit at the dugout and tell me everything I was doing wrong. And it would drive me insane. And Isaiah's back there thinking, well, though, I want you to listen to your conscience. <laughs> but he would sit at a dugout, and every time I would come up to bat, I knew he was going to be out there, and I'm like, oh, good Lord. But he would say, why don't you move up in the box? He's throwing that curveball. Why don't you move back in the box? Why don't you get closer to the plate? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? And I'll never forget, the next year was my last year of Little League, and the first time I stepped out into that hole, I would have gave anything. To have that cold dust face and that mean voice. <laughs> Why don't you? I would have given anything for that. What I caught was a selfless man that loved his wife, loved his kids more than anything in the world, risked his life every day and eventually gave it so that we'd be taken care of. That was my dad. And apparently, Esther catches some courage from Mordecai. Because this story now, it, it's a story of, of just pure courage because we, we've met Mordecai, we've, we, we've, we've seen Haman, we know Haman wants to kill all the Jews, but th there's a decision that has to be made and, and he has to convince the king that this is necessary. And Xerxes says, we're going to kill all the people. So all the people of the city, they go into pandemonium because most of them are Jews and they know they're going to die. The Bible says that Mordecai weeps and fasts. And whenever Esther, his daughter, sees him weeping and sees him fasting, she asks him, what's happened? What, why, why are you acting like this? And he tells her, you have been chosen queen for such a time as this. Look what's happening. It's not easy for Mordecai to send his own daughter, Esther, right into the throne to the king. You just don't do that. Even though you may be his wife, you may be queen. It's not that easy. Because, and, and, and it's not easy for us today. I mean, you think about it. I mean, we send our kids to school. We send them to college. We send them to summer camp. We send them to mama and papa's. But, but we like to protect our kids. And Mordecai is putting her right at the throne of the king. Mordecai knows that this child's life, it matures. She know, he knows that she's at a place. And he says, this is your purpose. 
This was your pur- this is your purpose in life. For such a time as this, God has chosen you for this moment, which, ask, which begs me to ask us dads, what is the purpose we're challenging our children to live? What are we preparing our kids for? What are we equipping our kids for? Are we helping them uh, have great dreams about God's kingdom? Are we challenging them to think great thoughts about God's church? Are we equipping them for for that time when they're going to be released and then we, we back off and we let the archer control their destiny? That's what, that's what Mordecai does. He launches her. Esther knows something. She knows she can't just go walking into the king's throne room, Danny. She knows that, again, I know I'm his wife. She knows if I go in there and if he doesn't dip the scepter, her head comes off. She can't go in uninvited. So she tells all the men, the women of Persia, all you Jews, go pray and fast. For three days. This is why prayer and fasting is important. Because it moves the divine hand of God in our situations. And good fathers challenge their children to live for a purpose. And look at what happens in chapter 5, verse 1. Now it came about on the third day that Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner courtyard of the king's palace in front of the king's room, and the king was sitting in his royal throne in the throne room opposite the entrance to the palace. Oh, the cleverness of a woman. She puts on the nicest clothes. She puts on the best perfume. She looks good because she knows the way to the king's brain is his eyes. She's just standing in the doorway. She doesn't go running in like most of us guys would. She doesn't make any demands like most of us guys would. She just stands there looking good. And King Xerxes lifts his eyes, and I could see this probably going, Whoa! And woe is loose translation of the Hebrew there. His heart's beating. He's got sweat on his head now, Danny. He's pleased, and it says, which was the greatest understatement in the book of Esther, he was pleased. He was pleased and said, come in. What do you want? Randy, he said, I'll give it to you up to half of my kingdom. She must have really looked good. (laughs) Smoking, somebody said. (laughs) Half of my kingdom. I just want to have lunch with you, honey. Let's have a banquet. Let's invite Haman. 
What? You going to come to the door looking like that and ask for Haman to go out to lunch with us? But he says yes. Probably disappointed that Haman's invited, but it's a party. Esther, Haman, and King Xerxes. And the party's over, and, she, and he asks again, he says, what do you want? And she says, I want to have another party with you tomorrow. These are some partying people. Haman's so proud of himself. And I've just been, not only did I have lunch with the king, but the queen even invited me. And not only that, they've invited me back tomorrow. I'm really making a good impression on them. And the Bible says that he goes out of the throne room and he walks out into the palace and all the people bow except for Mordecai. Mordecai makes him mad. He goes home and he tells his wife, I just had the greatest day of my life and this jerk, Mordecai, will not bow down. He's a pain in my neck. And his wife says, well, why don't you put a pain in his neck? And he says, great idea. Go build the gallows. 75 foot high. Build the gallows. I'm your boss. That's a great idea. And, and, and he goes to bed. He leaves instructions to build it 75 foot tall. And he built it right outside the castle. He goes to bed. And he sleeps well. Knowing that tomorrow, that person that will not bow, he's going to die, Randy. But here's the problem with the story. He sleeps good, but the king don't. Bad wings. Indigestion. And the king tells all of his officers, recorders, whatever they are, he says, I can't get this story out of my head. He said, will you go get the books and read them to me? And I'm thinking to myself, he probably doesn't want the books to be read to him because he's interested. He's thinking, these old dudes are going to bore me to death and I'm just going to fall asleep. But something happens, Randy. There's a story from before. And he reads this story and he says, Mordecai reports to me through Esther that two men are wanting to plot to kill me. And then he looks at the men and he says, did we ever do anything to reward this man? Did we ever do anything to celebrate? He saved my life. No, we didn't bring him in. And Haman shows up. And the king says, Haman, what do we do for this wonderful guy? And you know Haman, he's talking about me because I've been invited to, I've got to come to lunch with him yesterday, I'm going again today. So Haman's like, this wonderful guy, I'm a hero and I've earned loyalty and respect. And, but he says, what do you suggest that I do, Haman, for this, this, this hero? He saved my life. Well, you could let him wear your robe, one of your old robes, put that on him. You could let him put a crown on and ride on the back of a stallion and all this good stuff. I mean, 
You could even let him do all this. You could let him be led through the city streets and let the, have a parade and let the people bow down and worship him. And Xerxes says, that's a good idea. Go get, Hain, or go, go get Mordecai and do that for him. Could you imagine? I've just built 75-foot gallows for that joker, and you're going to tell me I'm going to go parade him around and people's going to bow down and tell him what a great hero he is? Then, after he's done chauffeuring Mordecai around all day, he gets, he, he, his mind is not in the moment. He's upset, and he forgets about something that he was supposed to do that day. He's supposed to be at lunch, a banquet with the queen and the king. So he runs home, he complains to his wife, and the wife's like, oh boy, you're in trouble now. Well, you're the one who told me to build the gallow. Comes in late, he's forgotten the banquet. He runs in, and there's Xerxes, and there's uh, uh, Esther eating, and he sits down, and he begins to eat, and pretty soon the king looks at the queen, and Randy, he says, honey, now what do you really want? And she said, I'll tell you, there's a man, a horrible man, that is so evil that he wants to destroy all my people, and I'm sure the king's mad, and probably... Who is it? And the Bible says she points her finger directly at the nose of Haman. And the king is so mad that he stands up, and the, and the Bible says that he runs out uh, of the banquet. And then the, the Haman, it says that he falls before the couch of the queen, and he's begging her for mercy. And when the king comes back in, it looks like that he is making a pass at the queen. And guess what happens to Haman? The king has heard that somebody has built some 75-foot gallows right outside of the palace, right outside for Mordecai, but he's like, I got better plans. He said, why don't you take Haman, put him in that gallow, and take his head? Mordecai. The great example of a father... A dad is now elevated to the position of Haman. Praise team if you'll come. Listen to me, church. Don't ever underestimate the providence of God. Some of you, you have a Haman in your life right now. You've got a troublemaker. Somebody who's just a thorn in your flesh. Well, I've come to tell you the story of Esther. It's not over. The culprit may be in the throne room. He, the, the power may be on the throne, but the sovereign hand of God still runs history. The story's not over. Don't get discouraged. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. God is still working out your situation this morning. Another thing, don't ever underestimate the influence of a good dad. Dads, I don't even think we know what we're doing yet. But we're sowing seed right now to our kids, and some have already left our house. But at the right time, we may be privileged to influence our child. And he or she may not 
change the world, but they might change their neighborhood. They might change their workforce. And I pray that God gives us strength and wisdom to say at the right time to our children, you may be in the kingdom for such a time as this. I pray, dads, that God gives us the right words to say at the right time. Many of us will never be called upon to speak to a queen who's going to the throne room. But we may be called to speak to a teenager who's getting ready to dabble into drugs or, or sex or something. We're going to be called to stand face to face with a teenager, an adolescent, a young adult that's failed. And they don't need to hear words of lecture from us. They need to hear words of love. Dads, we may be called upon and we will be called upon to stand face to face with our children when they're confused, when they need direction, and we need to tell them don't compromise. There are times when, when they need to be told to stand firm, to be, I mean, go in the right direction. May God give us dads the wisdom to say it exactly right. There are certain things that only a dad can say to their child. And then lastly, parents, don't underestimate the significance of a little disciple. Randy, she was a little Jewish orphan girl. And when, when we leave this story, she's queen of Persia. There's people in this room, you've come from humble beginnings. Some of you, you've came from some pretty bad places. But remain faithful to God. Here is on your life don't bow down to the Hamans of this world and when you feel that you're the arrow being released by the archer go because you've been called for such a time as this And I wonder if many of us, Dad, this morning, I'm just thankful. God, I'm thankful. God, I'm thankful for the things that I can look back and remember and see that He's instilled in me that, that family, family, to support family. And I'm asking you to touch the dads in this room right now. Hey, what to do? But God, give us, give us dads the know-how to turn to you for God. Some, we don't have our dads here any longer to celebrate Father's Day. And for some, it's a sore spot because we never had a dad in our life. But show us this morning a heavenly father.
who loves us so much that he sent his only begotten son This morning, if you're here and you're lost and you've never made relationship with Jesus Christ, you have a Father in heaven right now who loves you so much that He put you in this moment, in this place to hear the message of a loving Father. To know that whatever situation or circumstance you're in right now in this moment, He's throwing you a lifeline. you're here this morning and you don't know Christ why don't you come to this altar and let us pray with you why don't you run to relationship with Heavenly Father if that's you this morning and you know that you're not in right relationship with Jesus would you come to this altar we want to pray with you You're here this morning and you feel like you've got a Haman that's just chasing after you. You've got things in your life that just, and you're ready for God to turn it around. You're ready for the gallows to take the head off the villain that's chasing you right now. If you need prayer this morning, why don't you come? Circumstances of life just have you down. I hope you enjoyed that sermon as much as I enjoyed studying it because I never really even put Mordecai in that moment. Some of you ladies, if you would come up. Thanks for listening with us today. We hope that you have been challenged, inspired, or God has changed you somehow or in some way by what you have heard. 
If you would like to learn more about Fountain of Life Worship Center, find us at our website at folwc.com, on Facebook at facebook.com slash folwc, or in person. If you have a prayer request that you would like us to join in praying with you, please head to our prayer page at folwc.com slash prayer and click the image that reads prayer request. If you'd like to support this ministry, you can go to our website, folwc.com, and click give at the top of the page. Join us every Thursday for a new podcast. Hit subscribe on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast to keep up with our most recent podcast episode. Have a great day, and God bless you all.